Movie theaters are modern-day pulpits. Real-world theology exists to shed a light on the narratives that are shaping our culture and to encourage viewers to recognize that entertainment is not mindless. Yeah, so I don't really, I don't, I don't really care if we actually can hear him at times. If something really needs to happen, it's not like this is a, a super highly professional podcast of you know where that we have tons of advertisers who are going to get mad. Yeah. Though, if anyone is out there or knows anyone who wants to advertise on this show and help fund it so we can have better recording equipment, feel free to contact me. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, for, so if I mean, even if even if you need to uh, pop out for a second for some reason. Okay. Don't don't feel um, nervous about doing that, and so. But it's just always interesting getting Skype working, and everyone can hear, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. And like I said, everyone's reviewed their notes. Are you still typing things, Laura? Yep. <laughs> just because I wrote in an orange pen, I can't really see it very well. Well, tis the season, and I'm I'm really excited for uh, Chris for having or for the, being able to get to use his stuff again. Oh man, he is thrilled. Whenever, whenever you guys move back here, and we all get to record together all the time. Yeah. Don't don't joke. And I, I'll <laughs> let him produce all my podcasts. Seriously, we would move back in a heartbeat. We're not joking. We're prophesying. Yes. Yeah. Yes, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> in the uh, name of Jesus. Yes, we're, we're prophesying to the dry uh, recording equipment. Yeah. We're gonna resurrect the dry recording equipment. Uh, let's see. Are you, are you good with that? I'm reading quotes. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm <laughs> oh, yeah, Mandy, you, you know missed, when, the, you you missed the part where... You know when grown-ups tell you everything's going to be fine, but you really think they're lying to make you feel better? Mm-hmm. Everything's going to be fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is what I have to endure. I'm trying to actually get work done. I'm trying to set stuff up, and I basically have Lauren We're just like back a quote war of Doctor Who. Oh, uh, gosh. Okay. Well, Mark, you ready? Uh, sure, yeah. Laura, you ready? No! Laura's not ready. <laughs> All right, fine. I'm ready. Okay, Laura's ready. Let's do it. And Mandy, you are ready. Yes. Okay, since everyone is ready, welcome to Real World Theology, episode 15. Our first Christmas episode. I am your host. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, much like our favorite TV, we follow in the footsteps of the BBC and have a special extra episode just for Christmas. Hopefully this will be something we do for years to come. I mean, tis the season for extra TV. Uh, There were lots of ideas I had for this episode, uh, as I hope to use this space to actually review Christmas movies. But I wanted to kick this off in a very special way. So on this episode of the podcast, we're going to look at one of my favorite things in all of space and time, (laughs) Doctor Who. For those of you who don't know... Doctor Who is a British science fiction television program produced by the BBC. This program depicts this uh, the adventure of the Doctor, a time lord, a time-traveling humanoid alien. He explores the universe in his TARDIS, a sentient time-traveling spaceship. Its exterior appears as a blue British police box, which was a common sight in Britain in 1963 when the series first aired. Along with a succession of companions, the Doctor faces a variety of foes while working to save civilizations, help ordinary people, and right wrongs. (sighs) 
<laughs> yeah. So and then some. And then some. So joining me on this very festive week of the show, we have a legion of guests. First up, we have my wife, writer and blogger Laura Fissel. Hi. Uh, joining her is fairly new to who, but not this podcast. Yeah, that's right. Mark Winger. <laughs> and lastly, but not leastly, her first time on the show, Doctor Who super fan, who has her own legion of Doctor Who fan children, <laughs> Mandy Rosenberry. Hello. <laughs> Welcome, everybody. Thanks for being here. Thank you. All right. So, Doctor Who. So, to the Who... Being the longest technically running show in history, Doctor Who has influenced numerous generations and numerous cultures. There is a plethora of items and things of note that we can tackle, and honestly, we're not going to get to all of it. Maybe in the future we will narrow down a specific season or Doctor or episode to hand, uh, to hand some attention to, but we want to look at the bigger picture. Where does this rank and influence among the sci-fi greats? What is keeping it popular 50 years after its creation? And what does the universe's physician teach us about our world and ourselves? Is that, wow. is that impactful enough? That's impactful. Is that a big time? I like that, yes. Well, typically this is the part of the show where if we were doing a film, I would say, do you enjoy the movie? Mm -hmm. But I know everyone on this panel loves Doctor Who. So I'm not going to waste time asking... Do you love it or did you love it? But I want to know why you love, why you just love Doctor Who in general and what has made you a fan. Because there's lots of sci fi that all of us like. Heck, there's lots of TV shows and films that we, we all like. Mm -hmm. But something about this show has garnered a fire in our soul, uh, a passion that makes us sit here and endlessly read quotes to one another yes. so that I can't get any technical work done before the show. <laughs> That's right. So, what is it about Doctor Who uh, that you love, and why are you still a fan of a show that's been going on for 50 years? And we'll, since Mandy is over Skype, we'll start with her. Oh, man. Um, I, my first recollection of Doctor Who is, of course, the scarf. Um, as a kid, there was like a marathon on PBS, and my dad one weekend was like, oh my gosh, we're all going to sit and watch this all weekend. Uh, <laughs> And I Good at the dad. Time, yeah, had no idea. I was like, what is this weird, bizarre show happening? Um, and then in a, like 2009, a friend of mine said, oh, you've got to watch Doctor Who. And I thought, is that that crazy show with the scarf <laughs> again? Um, and watched a couple of episodes and thought, oh, this is so weird. And the stuff, the props are so bad. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> if I can tolerate this, but I have an extreme love of all things British. So... Yes. I, I persevered mm -hmm. and uh, fell in love with Christopher Eccleston and uh, started making the kids watch it. And we watched it for a long time. And then Chris started watching it. And so it has become this big family event where we all gather together and we can geek out over it um, as a family, throw birthday parties, paint furniture to look like TARDISes. <laughs> yes. A little overwhelming in our house. So. I want to come to your house. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Oh, I just, I love it. I love the, the time and time again, the doctor comes into obstacles and, you know, just triumphs over it and chooses peace over violence. And the example that sets for our kids and helps them think creatively, you know, nothing is ever like stereotypical, crazy, um, 
you know, like Disney-esque kind of things. I just love all of it. So No princesses. Yeah. No. That, that often. <laughs> that, yeah, that often. So it's next? Just, yeah, I'm going to say, well, anybody's next. Uh, I go next. Okay. okay. Hey, Mark, um, will you go next? Yeah. Thanks, Mark. That was, was the plan all along. Um, I, I, I mean, I, I've been a Doctor Who fan since I started watching it this year, and, you know... Uh, <laughs> That doesn't seem like it would make me like you know very knowledgeable, but I mean it. The thing about Doctor Who, and I got into it because you know a lot of people, including the people at this table, uh, were very into it, and so it, it had kind of been drawing me for years uh, to come watch it because I am a big fan of all things sci-fi, all types of sci-fi, throwing back to the '60s, the kind of like you know Martian Chronicles, Ray Bradbury sci-fi. Um, to, you know, get into Star Trek and then Star Trek Next Generation was like, like kind of like Mandy's growing up. Like my parents, we watched Star Trek The Next Generation. Mm -hmm. So I was always, always loved sci-fi. And so when I finally sat down and we watched it in consecutive order on Netflix, um, it was, uh, it was like, you know, an instant addiction. Um, (laughs) because it, it, that's the great thing I think about Doctor Who. One of the things that drew me instantly to it was that it, it throws back to all of the sci-fi from the '60s because, oh yeah, basically the sci-fi from, sci-fi from the '60s was defined by Doctor Who mm-hmm. uh, when it came out, and they kind of helped develop new ideas. And it's very, it was all very corny, uh, <laughs> it was all very cheesy, especially now. Um, but this series, uh, you know, there was uh, reading about this when I was getting into it, and as far as the development of the show, they were trying to figure out how to reboot it. Do we do something completely different? Do we just, you know, what do we do? And and so they settled on let's just continue it and start throwing back to it. And I think that was a brilliant move because mm-hmm. it really automatically just gives a sense of history, and so you have all this universe to play with. And so I really got into that and just kind of understanding. And even though it's a little bit corny, they pay homage to it, and then they take it to this level where the character development and they is great and the doctor itself he's fallible and and you know yet he's a sacrificial hero and mm-hmm. i don't know how you he can't be drawn to that and plus mm-hmm. the humor is it's british humor which is amazing and i will <laughs> laugh at it no matter where it comes from and, and it's always great so it's a combination of a lot of things i've always loved and i never realized that it was all compacted into doctor who as, mm-hmm. as it is so well done as, as it is Laura, oh gosh, talk about a super fan. I honestly feel like um, I feel like we're sitting down to a vast banquet and we want to taste everything, mm-hmm. and I don't even know where to start. Yeah, I mean, this oh, is oh my gosh. I brought some of that liquid from Catching Fire, so you can just oh. throw up. Throw up and then keep eating. And then keep eating. <laughs> I would like to point out that Mark is wearing his Doctor Who shirt. I'm wearing the Tardis shirt. Yes, sir. Awesome, oh, man. It's awesome. Um. Okay. <laughs> I love Doctor Who because I, um, I'm just going to read something I wrote. Um, I love the scope of the adventure and all the possibilities available to the story to be explored. Really nothing is off limits. Um, and so it, it has the opportunity to explore timeless truths that we know about human nature and also, um, ageless mysteries that we probably will never figure out. Um, and it, uh, tackles a lot of unanswered questions. Um, one thing I love that sci-fi does, and some of my favorite Doctor Who episodes do this, is they take things that are already in our, our in our scope of understanding or our imagination, and it um, explores you know where that comes from. One of my favorite um, episodes is um, Silence in the Library, and that is that 
as just an example of how it takes our fear, kind of an innate fear of darkness, mm-hmm. and says, this makes, is what it might be. Makes it even more scary. <laughs> makes it even more scary. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Yeah. Um, but I love that. I love, um, actually, just hearing you talk, Mandy, about your love for it and how your family has really gotten into it. That just is an example to me of how um, how just the way the doctor is, the way the show has been written. Um, I mean, like it's basic construct that you're traveling in time and space, you're going on adventures. They're not necessarily connected. You've got the doctor who's this um, really old guy, you know, old person in a um, young body. Cha- yeah, young, usually young body, <laughs> yeah. younger than uh, than his age anyway. Well, he certainly looks younger than 900. Yes, yeah, exactly. Sure. <laughs> um, I mean, even that shows that the, the doctor himself is because he's so youthful and an old body, and but he, ha- he has like the wisdom of this this you know aged person. But so it's appealing to all ages. Um, I don't know. I I just think that it, it has the ability to appeal to like across the spectrum of viewers that it can bring a lot of people in. And another thing I love about it is that, um, that it's been going on so long. So it's had so many different producers and writers and there've been so many people who played the doctor. And I just feel like it's actually, um, and too, I feel like the fans are a part of almost creating the show, mm-hmm. you know, that we, mm-hmm. it's kind of like a joint, um, I don't know. Well, it, quite literally, because David Tennant was a huge Doctor Who fan yeah. growing up, and he became the Doctor, and yeah. the new one coming yeah. is Peter Capaldi, and he's been a huge Doctor Who mm-hmm. fan, played so Doctor like Who all, as a kid. Yeah, you know, like, we're all like creating it together, and I think that's really powerful, too. Leaves hope for me and you, Mark. Yes. The, the, one day. The first American. Oh, I mean, and to that extent, I don't even mean to, I erroneously leave out Mandy and Laura, because who knows? The Doctor oh, right. can really regenerate <laughs> yeah. into anybody. It's true, sure. but we'll talk about that. <laughs> I don't want the doctor to be a woman. We should talk about the women debate, too. I'm sorry. Right. I don't want him That's to be a, a woman, and I'm a woman. So, anyway. Wow. You're you're the most female misogynist I know. <laughs> we can talk about why later. I have a lot sure. of notes about that. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I, love, I love listening to people tell me why they love Doctor Who, because there are so many aspects in each person's story that I can always connect to. But, I mean, we have... Um, the growing up aspect. I remember when I, I don't even know why we budgeted this in our family's income, but we had one of those gigantic satellites out in our yard. <laughs> wow. You know, like with the slowly ticking to yeah. the next thing. And, and I remember my my dad would be watching episodes of Doctor Who, and I hadn't. You know, I was too young to really understand what I was watching. Mm-hmm. I just remember that it scared the bejesus out of me. <laughs> And so, I mean, and when I was young, like I said, I didn't really understand what was going on. I just knew that, like, oh, man, here's a show with, like, consequences. So, like, people were dying. Mm-hmm. And I may have been too young to be watching this. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but, like, there, there was always in the back of my head is this thing that was cool because my dad was watching it. And, and then uh, through my adolescence of watching whatever my dad did, there, there was kind of that hiatus where Doctor Who wasn't really going on. And so that's when we picked up, like Mark, Star Trek The Next Generation. Mm-hmm. And Star Trek The Next Generation was one of the ultimate sci-fi shows for me. And the thing that I love about Doctor Who now is that, to me, what drew me in after watching the first like two uh, Chris Eccleston episodes was I was like, man, this reminds me of Star Trek The Next Generation. Mm-hmm. And everything I love about Star Trek The Next Generation... 
except I think it does it even better. Hmm. Not necessarily the special effects. In the first two episodes... Uh, weren't the best things that I've ever seen in my life. But they had that thing where they were exploring these big questions about culture mm-hmm. and about human nature, mm-hmm. the the civilization's existence. And I was like, this is what Star Trek The Next Generation did yeah. that really set it apart, which was only following in the footsteps of the original series, mm-hmm. I think, except with a little better structure. Well, to me... Which is what sci-fi does. Good sci-fi yeah, does. Yeah, which is what good sci-fi does. Yeah. The, the the thing that really separates it and probably puts it above the next generation for me and those who know me or talk to me realize how highly I have the next generation esteemed in my canon of things that I would take to a you know desert island yeah. <laughs> is that my problem with the next generation is that there was like there was this picture of a right civilization. Mm-hmm. There is a federation was a or, you know, at least Earth, had become almost this perfect civilization of perfect people who, for the most part, found out the right way to live. They eliminated poverty. They eliminated currency. And everyone was just happy all the time. And they basically flew around in their spaceships, evangelizing their rightness mm-hmm. to other civilizations. And at times it could be fairly heavy-handed. What show are we doing on this podcast? Well, I, 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 say, this, I say this... Circle back around. ...to make this point. <laughs> My favorite thing about Doctor Who Uh is that it's that, except without the perfection. Right. Your main character isn't going around. I mean, he's trying Mm -hmm. to to make the best decisions he can, Mm -hmm. but he's not always right. Right. And he's not perfect. And his companions are not perfect. Mm -hmm. Not even close, because they're human. Mm -hmm. And they're not this mythical human race that's, found perfection and whatever it's it's this flawed so i feel like i can be a part of the story because i'm not perfect well and and part of what what aids that is that this is a a, it's very much a series that continues on the previous episode and just Mm -hmm. keep kind of keeps going star trek kind of was one of those uh you know serialized episodes where they did something and this is just happened what happened in this episode you really don't get a lot of throwback unless it's in the main universe whereas everything the doctor does has implications mm-hmm. and they really follow them and they really come back to haunt the doctor and his companions and that's the whole thing about being a companion it's really fun but you're probably going to die <laughs> you know you're you're going to get in real trouble or you know something's going to happen your family's going to fall apart like all kinds of things bad things are going to happen because they're really that's what's so great about the show is they take the time to really explore what happens by messing with all of this stuff. So, you know, and I think this this show takes even sci-fi further because it lends itself to the ability to create anything out of that because it also goes towards fantasy and then they explore all the different types of sci-fi. You know, Star Trek is a very kind of specific type of sci-fi whereas Doctor Who goes to the horror it goes mm-hmm. to the fantasy and the the adventure but it also goes to the very personal and mm-hmm. so there's all different types of sci-fi very mind games very you know it it it's, it just goes everywhere and they mm-hmm. do it so well and they take care to you know make sure it's it's coherent and cohesive with the series and uh, and it just it, you could you could tell a really good show is and it you know, part of the answer the, the the coming question of why has it lasted for fifty years is to say that these writers and producers and people they all take really good care of this show. They all really care. I think they're all ultimately fans, mm-hmm. and it really shows. Well, and I think that's one of the reasons why it has lasted so long because it's not 
I mean, it's like it's almost like a buddy cop drama at times. Yeah. It's like a mystery. Yeah. It's a horror. You know, it's just, it's straight sci-fi. Mm-hmm. It, it it defies every genre by including every genre. So every episode can really go in any direction, right. and you can keep it fresh. And not only that, but it's not like oh, this is the sci-fi adventure that's set on an island. Uh-huh. And yeah. has nowhere to go after right. a couple seasons, yeah. <laughs> whatever that might have been. I don't know what that could be. Uh, <laughs> you know, so th- this is as we go along. <laughs> all of space and time. Yeah. So you yeah. seriously, you know, where else are you going to get dinosaurs on spaceship? Exactly. <laughs> Doctor Who. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and it is rather odd if you want to think about it that they keep ending up in like modern day Britain, but yeah, so, <laughs> so just end up in Britain somehow. In all of space and time, apparently it's the hit place to be. Yeah. Um, but that, and then something Mandy said that really um, stuck with me was the fact that even though the Doctor's flawed, he always seems to find. I think Mandy referred to it as like he always tries to he tries to be the peacemaker. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say that further than just peace is that everywhere I see him go, I love people looking at the world differently because I'm so tired of like everything having to be black or white. Right. Um, and I don't, you know, I don't have a problem with there being truth or even absolute truth, but there's so much in existence that is really black and white and it all, all depends on your perspective. And I, I think the doctor, he always seems to find the third way, Mm -hmm. which I mean, I think is a a parallel to Christ and I think is a, a tribute to good writing. Absolutely. Um, because he goes into a situation and people are all like, oh, we need to, you know, we either need to kill it or be killed by it. And he comes in and goes, oh, no, 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 wait. It just had an ingrown toenail. And everyone realizes this thing that looks like a giant sloth with man-eating teeth is actually really friendly, you know, <laughs> yeah. and just needed you to pull the thorn out or whatever. And, and yes. like, blows your mind by his, his way of looking at things differently. Looking at the very ordinary, the very, what would seem basic straightforward situation and saying it's not because I think that's like life mm-hmm. lots of times um, yes. so if there's anything else anybody wants to add well I mean I mean like <laughs> well just in terms of uh, some of the thoughts I had about why it's still so popular after 50 years is and one of your articles I wish I um, could find that but anyway um, talked about how in contrast to Star Wars and Star Trek um this ha- like Doctor Who almost always ha- ends with a hopeful message that there's always hope in the end. Mm-hmm. And um, I put down um, one of the things that's really unique about the Doctor and really compelling is that you know everyone's afraid of him. The Daleks are like the the ultimate um, villain that almost nothing can kill, and they're really really afraid of the Doctor. And he's just this bumbling idiot with a screwdriver. Like he really is not that terrifying of a person, but everyone's afraid of him. And I think he really embodies the fact that, um, hope can win and that it can be strong enough to be feared. That goodness, that, that hope, that healing, that love can be strong enough to be feared by darkness. Um, so I think that he, that just makes him a compelling character that people want to be on board with. Yeah, I mean, he, you know, he he kind of embodies so many different aspects of, you know, just being a normal human being. You know, he's a time lord, 
But, I mean, you know, for all intents and purposes on the show, he's very much a human being, but he gets to explore, especially when you change doctors, when you get a new personality and you get all these different, you know, ideas and ideals. And and so, yeah, I mean, I think the doctor himself is the reason why the, the, the show has been around for so long, because, mm-hmm. it, I mean, it's kind of the perfect character set up because you could just have any actor play him and just oh he just regenerated you know like it's it's it, but it but that actually becomes part of the of the lore and, and you like you're anxiously awaiting like i am for the 12th yes. doctor yeah i'm freaking out every time i see his eyeballs you know, <laughs> somewhere Is in that scary? one shot his like, eyeballs and grumpy cat yeah <laughs> You can put those eyeballs anywhere, and I'm start freaking out. You know, um, and change just... a profile picture to like Mark with those eyeballs. Yeah, I should. That's gonna be awesome because I'm gonna do that later. Uh, but you know, it's just you know, it, it it's it's kind of like you know, I think of when I my biggest like sci-fi thing is Star Trek, and and my biggest like hero of Star of Star Trek and sci-fi is Captain Picard, mm-hmm. and Captain Picard had this. Very fallible, very angry, kind of Shakespearean. What is this podcast really about? Yeah, that's what, <laughs> but that's what kind of drew me to to the Doctor, like you said, is it's very similar. But mm-hmm. you know, you get it with now you get it with multiple actors, multiple versions, and, and it just can go anywhere. And, and I think I, I've always thought that great TV shows are based on you can go anywhere with them. You create any kind of type of setup. Like mm-hmm. there's some sh- the shows that like instantly fail are like one note things, one joke kind of sitcoms and that kind of thing. Whereas you have, you know, a show that has many varieties. You just put characters in a situation. Here's the setup and you can go anywhere with it. And Doctor Who is like the master TV show of that. Yeah. Unless you put it on CBS and then it's going to be successful no matter how dumb it is. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> okay. I just wanted to make sure that was clear. <laughs> anyway. No, I completely agree. Um, I feel like I'm, there's so many things to like say that like I could explore any one sentence that anybody says in the show for an entire show. You know, That's which cause... is why you know, like I said, I I apologize if anyone out there was hoping we would get into like like biblical theology. 522 or something like that the, like the 500 level yeah. graduate student of Doctor Who because it's not going to happen on this it's episode but one day I would love to do that absolutely and, and I awesome. encourage anyone who watches the show to have those conversations um, I just want people who may have not even realized that these things are going on right in front of your face mm-hmm. and there's something there's compelling TV there it's not just it's cool you know whatever's hip with the the tweeners, yeah. you know, this is, yeah. this, this spans every generation. You know, you have 60, 70 year old dudes and women, dudettes, I guess, who, <laughs> who are really into this. And you have like, you know, young yeah, adults, everybody, and then kids even everybody. really getting into it. It just, it's so broad, but we have all, actually a uh, side question before I ask the next question is besides Laura and I watching, I don't know. Like a dozen episodes from the original run has have either of you Mark or Mandy re- watched any of the Doctor Who pre Christopher Eccleston? No, just a little bit. Just uh, some of what you can find on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Okay, because that's you where know, you with, start. Yeah, it's not too expansive, but yeah, hopefully there'll be more in the future. Yeah, well, I, I have wanted to. Um, I really want to go back and watch the eighth. Doctor's TV movie. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. It know, is like, fantastic. I know yeah. that sounds ridiculous. I love it. Okay, because <laughs> we like like everything else. We started at the beginning, so like we're like yeah, we started. With oh, Hartnell. William Hartnell. 
Oh. Your episodes are so boring. Well, they are. <laughs> uh, Pertry is actually pretty awesome. He's like yeah. the James Bond of Doctor Who. Yeah, okay. He is, and he's like got the cool cars, and he's got like the the black cape with the red yeah. <laughs> like silk on the inside. He's pretty That's... awesome. Well, so I, I asked that because the next question is, who is your favorite Doctor? And I feel like anyone who started with Christopher Eccleston is probably going to have the same answer. Yeah. But I wanted to make sure that we at least touched on the fact that we're not... Other doctors are, exist. Other, other doctors <laughs> exist. And to be fair, I don't think for all 12 or 13, depending on how you want to mm-hmm. number them, or 14, <laughs> I, who knows. Yeah. Uh, I, Stick with the 12. You know, depending on that, all of them probably haven't gotten a fair shake on this particular panel. But, so, I just wanted to make sure that was clear. (laughs) And then, Mandy. Christopher Eccleston. Who who is your doctor? Christopher Eccleston? Christopher Eccleston, for sure. Really? Yeah. Awesome. Explore. Yes. Explore the space. Explore the the space. He kept me coming back. The... The episode with the "Are you my mummy?" I can't remember oh. the, the like name yeah. of that. Andy Child. Yeah, there we go. I, the, I watched that one like several times in a row. I don't know what it was about it, but I I loved it. I, he is my doctor. You don't like sleeping. That's why you watched that episode. <laughs> Seriously, I love yeah. the ones like that. Yeah. Actually, when I watched that episode, I was freaked out until the end when you find out what it was, and then yeah. like you go back and you're like, "This is actually once you understand it, it it's it's cool. Like it's a yeah. re- it's a really good reveal." Mm-hmm. Uh, mine's David Tennant. I don't know. I mean, well, hold, hold on, I, I didn't get to you yet. Mark. Okay, <laughs> it's not time to gush yet. No, it's not time to gush yet. <laughs> Keep well, the lid on well, it, <laughs> Mandy. If you can, I want I want you to explore it a little more. Like, what is it about Eccleston? Is it just because he was your first Doctor? Or, I mean, is there something about his personality? Because all the the beautiful thing about the doctors is they're all different. They are. Yeah, oh, yeah. Are. I, I really do think part of it is because he's my first doctor, and mm-hmm. and I love when he says "fantastic." Yeah. <laughs> so, I really, as shallow as that seems, I think that's what it is. Mm. Mm. No, and and that's fine. I just wanted to make sure we explored <laughs> yeah. it. So, Laura. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, David Tennant's my favorite doctor. Um, I think I just love the balance that he strikes between his silliness and his seriousness. Mm. Because actually, when I because we've been watching so much of Matt Smith, just in the you know because he's been the doctor for three seasons, four seasons, um, really four seasons, not three. Has it been three? I think it's just exactly five and seven. Yeah. Um, you know, like when I thought back at. Uh, on David Tennant's episodes, I thought about just all his serious moments, that he's so fierce, that he's, like, really fierce about justice, and Mm -hmm. um, there are several times I can remember him saying, um, you just killed someone I like, so that is not a safe place to stand, (laughs) you know, or uh, when he says, um, I'm sorry, I'm so, so sorry. Yeah, yeah. You know something's about to go down. I know. (laughs) You're in trouble. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and in, in an episode called The Idiot's Lantern, um, there's a, the, the wire steals Rose's face and, um, he sees her and he says, there is no power on this earth that can stop me now (laughs) because you hurt my friend. So there's like a real fierceness about him, but then I, I have been rewatching some of that and he is hilarious. I mean, he talks a mile a minute and he is always babbling on and on. Um, I love it when he'll say like, 
uh, oh man, I wish I, I could quote this exactly, but he's talking about Rose's mom and he says, uh, she makes a great cup of tea. Well, I say great cup of tea. <laughs> you know, <laughs> she makes an okay cup of tea. Well, I say okay. <laughs> you know, um, every time he does well. Wow. Yeah. Well, yeah. well. Um, so I just love some of his kind of personality ticks. Um, but he, so he's really silly, but like the thing about him is he's always talking, always babbling on, but he is also always calculating, always yeah. observing yes. because that silliness clicks off in a moment when something happens, that's not supposed to happen, happen. So, um, I just love that, um, the two sides of that coin that are just so different, but he goes between them seamlessly. And I really just think he's an incredible actor. There's oh, nothing yeah. I've seen Tennant in that has not been phenomenal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he just does it really well. It was, is for him, is for me, is very, he's very much like Picard, you know, like Patrick Stewart and that, that gravity to a really kind of silly situation most mm-hmm. of the time. I mean, it's, it, if you think about it, it's, it's kind of preposterous, everything that the doctor gets into. Is it my turn now? It is. Yeah, if go. you want, if <laughs> you go want it to be. My favorite doctor. Your exile is, um, is, uh, is David Tennant. Yeah. And, and he, you know, to me, he, he embodies every aspect that makes you love the doctor to its fullest extent. So you got the humor and the goofiness that he just does really uniquely in his own way, but just very, very well. And this, of course, is all you know, a tribute to him being a really, really good actor. Um, the rage of the doctor, he, mm-hmm. he gets that when he talks, mm-hmm. when he's like, you know, angry, he does it through his teeth and he's, you know, really uh-huh. very much seething, does it, but he does it with like such subtlety too. Uh, the anguish, you know, mm-hmm. when he is up against that wall, listing for Rose on the other oh, side. So the single tear. The look on his face <laughs> is so like it's. There's nothing on his face, but you can just see that he's in anguish, and mm-hmm. it's perfect. And then the hubris of Doctor Who, the very, you know, you know, it, 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 he does it. He does it all so well. And, and I actually, as I look back on 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 Tenet and watch Matt Smith and look forward to Capaldi and. You know, Tenet, I never really realized until, you know, recently that I actually, I've never missed a character. I've never missed being able to watch a character or find something, you know, like, I I really found myself missing David Tennant's Doctor Mm -hmm. and and feeling like I connected to it in a way that I haven't really connected to a lot of other characters in TV. Which is why your mind exploded when you watched the 50th anniversary. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It was so incredible to see him. Yeah. I know, and then in in his suit again, his that was, what was, that was what was really good about the episode <laughs> is they they didn't just like throw the doctors in there and say, oh, yep, here they are again. They really kind of gave them their own moment. Mm-hmm. You know, he had a couple yeah. of like really funny moments where he's talking to the bunny, and you know. <laughs> it's just it was great just to see him. To, to embody that again and you know every time they're like okay so who's gonna be the next doctor i was like it could be tenant you never know <laughs> you could bring him back uh. well as much as much as i love tenant and i think depending on the day of the week when i am asked i would either say david tenant for all the reasons that you've given yeah. or christopher eccleston mm-hmm. yeah i really enjoyed eccleston too a lot yeah. i mean Christopher Eccleston was my first doctor. As bad as the props were, and oh, yeah. the you can tell the, the 2005 un- CGI, yeah, <laughs> the the unsuredness of the BBC thinking it might last more than a season. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, and the and the warning or the yeah the warnings that I have to give people being like, look, just stick through it until the you know the empty child, mm-hmm. and if you do that, you'll be hooked. Yeah, I, yeah. I always ask people to give him three episodes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just, 
I, and that, and that's the best part because I, I don't I mean I don't really like the first episode all that much, but I mean the second episode. What's the second episode called? Uh, the one like uh, where they watch the world explode. Yeah. The world's like, end. Something like that. I think that's a Simon Pegg movie. The, the end of, or the end of the world or something. Yeah. Like that. Um, uh, I mean, it just is like, called the end of the world. The end, end of the world. I mean, world. So, yeah. that that right there, I was like. Oh my gosh, this show can do anything. Anything, yeah. And I mean, you go to the year 5 million, mm-hmm. and I mean, that just, we'll never see 5 million, you know? Like, exactly. It's a, you know, we're going to see 2015 uh, for the Back to the Future folks. Uh, <laughs> well, not, where's my flying car? That's right. <laughs> you know? Well, so, so, you know, getting hooked into it like that with my first doctor, Christopher Eccleston, and the fact that there was two major things about him that I really miss. One is the fact that he is so snarky and like yeah. sarcastic. Mm-hmm. I like yeah. that's how I would be if I was the doctor. Yeah. <laughs> He's kind of a jerk, <laughs> but he cares. Mm-hmm. Like he yeah. never really wears his uh feelings on his sleeve. And it doesn't matter. Because yeah. like he, at the end of the day, he know he, he knows he has rules, he knows he's trying to stick by them, but Hello? he knows that, that they're like people are important. He would never tell you necessarily, right? Uh, so, so there's that side of him where I really, I really feel like I relate to him because, like I said, I feel like that's my personality a lot of the times. What's that? Did we lose Mandy? Mandy, did we lose you? Mm-hmm. Oh, no? I'm back. I can hear you now. <laughs> okay, okay, awesome. <laughs> um, Be a little edit in there. <laughs> <laughs> cut that out. Um, so there's that, and then I don't think I appreciated it at the time. But having watched through the 50th anniversary special, looking back at the Eccleston episodes, that was technically after the Time War. Mm-hmm. And Eccleston's like, he's like hurt yeah. and lost and mad. Mm-hmm. And his interactions, especially with like the Daleks, are vindictive. Yeah. And... Though Tennant and Matt Smith give us that range, that try to fix the universe kind of feel, mm-hmm. Eccleston doesn't give us the happy side of it. Like, oh, let's really joke around about the Daleks. He's he's pissed. Yeah, yeah. he's really mad. And I, I don't know. I just I, I could I could feel that in mm-hmm. his portrayal of the Doctor. And like I said, I didn't really get that. I didn't really get how important the Time War was and how all that that storyline was going to matter yeah, until I went through it. But it's, it's interesting because the show is really at a, 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 an interesting pivot point uh, because we've hit this 50th anniversary and they really have kind of put the entire reboot of the series into perspective with it, you know, going back and explaining all the time war mm-hmm. and, you know, uh, what happened and how the doctor got to where he was beat. It's kind of like the overarching theme that a season will have this section of this series as a whole has had kind of an overarching theme about the time war mm-hmm. and what the doctor did. Um, and, and now it kind of like looking back on that, especially on Eccleston stuff like that, the, the episode and actually one of the, one of the first episodes I really, really enjoyed that got me was like, I, I can't wait to watch more and more of this was the first time he, you, in this series you see the Dalek and it's just one Dalek mm-hmm. and it's wounded mm-hmm. and, 
you know, they're all like, oh, it's this poor soul. And he's like, I'm going to kill this thing <laughs> and it's going to die. And you realize that he's right. And you realize that there's a lot of history that you don't know uh, that has just all been summed up in this episode because he's trying to, you know, prevent this one Dalek from getting out of this bunker that they're in because he knows that one Dalek can destroy the entire mm-hmm. world. So, mm-hmm. you know, it gives they give all this gravity to their villains and to the Doctor himself and what he's capable of. And it, it just makes the show, I mean, just endless. You mean like when the Dalek goes, you would make... A good Dalek. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, like, you realize, you realize that your yeah. hero is not a hero. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, But he's not blown. necessarily an anti-hero. Either. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a very interesting character that they have with the Doctor, you know. Well. To say the least. Okay, so <laughs> this wasn't in the write some things down for this. Uh-huh. But the, the counter question, based on our answers, is why not Matt Smith? What what is what is Matt Smith not got that I want to hear Mandy answer this yes. question first? Oh gosh! Oh, actually, Mandy, can I? I want to augment it a little bit. Sure. Um, just for you, because you have children who are getting into Doctor Who. Yes. Who is their favorite Doctor? Matt Smith, by far. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That's which which scary. actually was kind of what I thought because um, our other friend who has a child. Um, well, she's not. A, she's a teenager yet. She's a teenager. She just. She yeah, Joanna Grace probably would oh, yes. say. Um, and she's probably she's a huge Matt Smith fan. Yeah, yeah. I think she would probably say. So can just why do you think that is, Mandy? Oh, I don't know. He Matt Smith hooked my kids like right away with the fish fingers and custard, and he's <laughs> oh, like yeah. he's just bouncy and fun, like a slinky going everywhere. And <laughs> I think for kids, that's just much more um, accessible to them. And the anger of Christopher Eccleston, which I think is part of why I do like him, is that like he's tortured and he's working through stuff so much. They are a little bit scared by that. So yeah, okay. So they're getting ready to hate Peter Capaldi, possibly. <laughs> yeah, are they? His, how do they feel about his scary, grumpy eyes? They, they're not quite sure what to think. They still mm. have not got over the Amy Rory thing yet. Oh. So Souffle Girl is not a very popular person in our house. So. <laughs> she doesn't even get a name, Souffle <laughs> Girl. Oh, uh, um, you know, I, I really don't. I, I, I like Matt Smith a whole lot. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't want to take anything away from him. Um, I think. You know, his youthful exuberance and just the way that he could... He is, as far as line delivery, the best doctor for oh. line delivery. Oh, yeah. For real. There, he has this amazing way to just tell the silliest lines in the pitch-perfect way. Mm-hmm. And I always love that about him. And, you know, like that slinky kind of bumbly thing that, that you're saying, Mandy. I mean, he just... He has this, this great goofiness, youthful exuberance of the doctor. And, and really, yeah. I mean, each doctor kind of represents different aspects more than the other that's just kind of the nature of you know the changing of the hands to the different actors but also to the the writers know how to deal with that differently i think part of the matt smith you know uh to kind of put him down the rungs on the ladder a little bit is the stories that he was given uh (laughs) didn't measure up to what you know russell davies had done as the head writer with the david tennant era and christopher christopher eccleson era So I, I think for some people that was that would kind of you know put a put a mark on him. But if you're looking at purely from a just an enjoying the doctor standpoint, Matt Smith makes a very very good case, mm-hmm. and I will yeah. miss him. I will miss him oh, a yes. lot. Yeah, I mean I miss Eccleston. I miss 
actually anybody I connect to in the show that's the doctor. <laughs> I, th- I think one thing that I, I lament over this show, and I lament it in, in all of my TV, especially sci-fi TV, lamention mm-hmm. <laughs> is uh, is you know fire, fire, Firefly, and yeah. then right behind Firefly is that whatever it was that happened between Christopher Eccleston and whoever it was uh-huh. that made him say like two episodes in I'm only doing this for one season yeah. yeah and the fact that it was so bad that I didn't get to see him in the 50th anniversary episode mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um I honestly think it, it might not be as drastic as I would maybe be willing to wager money on but I think if he would have given given us two or three seasons, mm-hmm. then the majority of people who are Doctor Who fans would not be all about David Tennant as much as they were. Right. I think there would be a lot more Christopher Eccleston mm-hmm. fans. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, I think he would have had the time to really show what he could have done. Mm-hmm. And that that makes me lament a little bit. Oh, sure. Like I said, not Firefly lament. Yeah. But... <laughs> Can't really Firefly. Yeah. Nothing really beats Firefly and Fox thing. Uh we're just covering all sci-fi in this yeah, episode. Yeah. That's right. Um, yeah, what I mean, is this I, episode about? Yeah. <laughs> Doctor Who? Um, <laughs> it's, uh, you know, and, and, and kind of going back to, like, how the 50th anniversary kind of put things into perspective. Uh, spoilers if you haven't seen the 50th anniversary, but, you know, basically how the Doctor kind of forgives himself for what he did and, mm-hmm. and actually kind of undoes it. Um, you know, it... it 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 kind of the theories that I've heard about why Capaldi and why the older Doctor going back to an older Doctor um, is that he was kind of like losing his you know control on wanting to be mature and so you got a younger Doctor and a younger Doctor and now he has mm-hmm. forgiven himself for what he has done and he's going to embrace that maturity of who he is a little mm-hmm. bit more. So do we want to talk theory here because I can uh, start rolling the dice. <laughs> Now let's see. I, I want to. Um, so excited for Capaldi! I can't even tell you. Yeah. Well, I want to. I want to hit on what uh, another. I guess jump-starting question before we go too far. Yeah. And that is, what I mean. What What is honestly your favorite episode, and why? Because I think lots of people will throw out episodes, but they don't really think about what that episode had that made it stick with him. And just like a good movie. There are always scenes that you can't get out of your head for oh, some yeah. reason. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because something in that scene resonated with you in a way that nothing else did. And there have been tons of episodes of Doctor Who that I would say were not just good, but they were great. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. And oh yeah. So I mean, you're welcome to mention a couple, but try you know, try to try to narrow it down as much as sure. you can because I really want to get into why it it, it really stuck with you. So, um, as usual, Mandy, you get to go first. And then <laughs> If ours are different, you get to be like, I would have picked that one too. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I already said I really like the Are You My Mummy? Um, yes. But my absolute favorite is the Van Gogh episode. Mm-hmm. I could watch that over and over and over again, and I cry at the end every time. And yeah. just the end where, you know, Amy is so upset that it didn't stop him from killing himself. Mm-hmm. And well, the doctor... <laughs> No, no, yeah, I'm going to start crying now. (laughs) You know, when the doctor says, you know, but we changed, he was happier for a bit, you know, oh, 
and, and that moment when he they bring Van Gogh into the museum oh. and show oh. him his worth. Oh my oh gosh. My gosh. Just oh it's and it, so and he, and, good. And, and, you know, the curator goes on and on and just very nonchalantly and, and, and mm-hmm. Van Gogh is standing there and just kind of hears it to his side and he you just see the like change about himself on his face yes. and the curator just goes off about how, how magnificent Van Gogh was and he just gets that moment. It's yes. amazing. Yeah, it's really amazing. And that's that's going back to talking about what this show can do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, just, to, to throw it in a more blatantly theological kind of light, am I the only person who, when he feels kind of like crap or like I'm worthless or whatever, like I can watch the Van Gogh episode and at the end... I honestly think that if, yeah, I mean, like I said, I don't want to wax too like Sunday school here, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but I feel like if Christ were to take me up like to heaven oh, yeah. and say yeah. like, I know you think you're worthless, but like show me all these things that like have yeah. been done in my life yeah. and like yeah. all these people I've affected and, uh, you know, it's like, it's a wonderful life except more concise. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, and I just, I, yeah, I can't stop myself. I, I, I could watch that episode every day, but I feel like if I do, I would just have to have buckets for the tears. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, all the tears. I mean, there's so many moments in this show. I mean, so many moments where you could just, it just hits you perfectly, you know, like to watch somebody, like when somebody realizes the implications of what just happened to them in their mm-hmm. face, mm-hmm. you just see it in their face. That's yeah. good. Good writing, good acting, good producing, everything. Okay. Was there anything that you want to say about Vincent and the Doctor again? Anything else? Or any other particular episodes? Um, Well, we also really, really love the Doctor's wife here. Chris and I can go back and forth with the the lines, but my absolute favorite from that is when uh, he he gets Idris on the TARDIS and Amy Amy says, you know, did you wish really hard... (laughs) <laughs> yeah that's uh, yeah that that's a great episode it's ri- written by neil gaiman who i love neil gaiman so it, yeah it's it's perfectly neil gaiman and yet perfectly doctor who mm-hmm. oh it my is. gosh a... no go ahead man i'm sorry <laughs> it is a great combination and i think i love neil gaiman too so i think i'm a little partial to that but um yeah that one is fa- there's so many little like zingers and idris has all these little you know I have to rewatch it to catch all the little sayings. Oh, it's so good. Oh, yeah. Well, I think that's another great thing that these episodes, or this series in general, it, it has been a collaboration of so many people who love this show so much. Mm-hmm. This this universe, I guess our universe that we don't haven't fully expanded yet, but you can bring in a writer like Neil, Neil Gaiman, and he just fits something right into canon. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, I mean, actually Mark pointed out, and he's He'll probably point out again, but even though we really like Russell T. Davies' show running, mm-hmm. all yeah. of our favorite episodes during Russell T. Davies' run are written by Stephen Moffat. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know? So, I mean, like, and then he, that obviously, I can see why he was given the show, but there's just so many great writers who have taken, there's so many people who want a cameo in this show. It's like the British ER, you know? <laughs> like, oh, just let me be a, a cadaver. That's all I want to do. I just want to be on the show. So... <laughs> Um, I, I did a bad thing. I, I looked up quotes to the doctor's wife. And I, I, I want to just say that. <laughs> just say, say the whole episode. The house is the, you know, the main villain. Fear me, I've killed hundreds of time lords. And the doctor says, fear me, I've killed them all. <laughs> oh, oh, so great. You are such fans. <laughs> Who's next? Oh my gosh, this is so hard. Um, I think... 
um, Vincent and the Doctor is is definitely like in the top, probably the top three. Mm-hmm. Um, I I just love the um, and actually a lot of my favorites are um, two parters. But I love human nature in the family of blood mm. when um, the doctor has yeah. to assume a human persona to hide from these people. Um, and I think I love it because the doctor has the opportunity to have what he can never have, which is a human life. And he mm-hmm. actually falls in love and, you know, sees that he could, like, he could grow old with this woman. He could have children. He And he actually... You know, despite all the things he's done and how wonderful he is, he actually wants those things. Um, and, like, in the end, has to choose to take back on the burden of being, like, who he is. And um, there's a kid in there who's, I guess his last name is Latimer. Mm-hmm. And he, they're trying, he and Martha are trying to convince the doctor to, you know, to open his pocket watch and to assume his, you know, his true identity again and uh latimer says you know he he was really scared of the doctor when he saw who the doctor was he's like fire and ice and rage he's like the night and the storm and the heart of the sun he's ancient and forever he burns at the center of time and he can see the turn of the universe and he's wonderful Mm. and i just um i don't know it just kind of gave an opportunity i think for other characters characters in the storytelling of the episode to almost assume like fans you know to say like this is why the doctor is so important this is why the doctor must exist um and also i love too that um that his companion takes care of him almost like a child you know she follows him around and tries to make sure he doesn't get into trouble and um so i like that um anyway those are things that i love about it um and and two i love the fact that he, we talked about how he's a peacekeeper and how he chooses pacifism, most of the time chooses pacifism over violence. And he actually does this whole elaborate plan to become human because he knows that he can defeat these villains. Yeah. And he doesn't want to have to kill them or yeah. have to do You know, he wants to be able to give them a choice to be better, but he knows they won't. And so in the end, he has to... He actually doesn't kill them. He makes them live forever in strange ways. But anyway, yeah. so I love that one. Um, and um, A Christmas Carol, the Doctor Who Christmas yeah. special, yes. Um, yes. always makes me cry my oh, eyes yeah. out. Oh, mm-hmm. my gosh. That's just such a story of renewal. Because you love sharks? Oh, I mean, they're just so, yeah, like the fish swimming in the in the air is just such a cool thing. I mean, Matt Smith's lines are hilarious in yeah. that. He is hilarious. And just the whole, like, you know, kind of a turn on on an iconic story, a new, a fresh perspective on an iconic story. Um, what's her name? The the singer in that just has mm. a fantastic voice when she sings that song. I just cry my eyes out. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, I think it's summed up in the doctor's line. He says, um, uh, everything's got to end sometime, otherwise nothing would ever get started. And so just kind of about, like, being able to enjoy life and and love the things that you've been given and to let that transform you because mm-hmm. the you know the whole the centerpiece of the story is about an old man who lost you know love and so he, it, he allowed it to turn him bitter but anyway so those are there are a bunch of other ones oh <laughs> but, man uh the end of time yeah. uh the david Tennant's last one oh so incredible oh, and sure. then wilfred one of the most oh. amazing 
moments of TV I've ever seen. You know, the, the whole, the end of time with the Doctor is like, you know, the guy who's going to be your death. Okay, there's this whole prophecy. The guy that's going to end you is going to knock three times. And so they have at the beginning of this two-part episode, the Master comes, and he's knocking on this big, you know, like a barrel, metal barrel, really, really loud. Boom, 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 over and over. Boom, boom, boom. And he finally, you know, the whole episode goes through. He defeats the Master, and what happens is, you know, Wilford's uh, with him, and, and he gets caught in this little thing, and everything's fine. The Doctor makes it through, and then tap, tap, tap. <laughs> Wilfred's sucking this thing, and you have to—he has to save him, and and it caused him his. And that was just—I mean, just brilliance, absolute yeah, oh brilliance. Gosh. All right, well, <laughs> my turn, I guess. Um, they're really—I—I I have rarely seen a better el- episode of television than Blink. Um, oh yes. <laughs> I really—I mean, honestly, I—I—I I, I don't know that I could say there's a better episode of television that I've ever seen. Uh, and oddly enough, the Doctor's not in it very much. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> but um, which is a testament to the show. Yeah, which I can say shows how versatile the show itself is. Um, if you're listening to this and you have not seen Blink, please turn this off. <laughs> please turn it off. Do not I don't continue. Want to give, Do not I don't want go. to spoil this episode. I mean, yeah. Turn off and go watch the episode. Yeah, then come back and listen to. They the come back and listen, and then tell your friends about the episode. But have please, them download it too. Please, if you <laughs> if you haven't seen Doctor Who and you're listening to this, fantastic. You know, it's, I just don't want to spoil this episode. Um, the very the the idea of the angels um, and it just being very everything's very subtle but very 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 scary. Mm-hmm. Um, you know the whole the whole line where the doctor says eh, the funny thing the weeping angels they really don't do much to you they just zap you and then you live to death. <laughs> I mean, you know, and then you have to live out your life in another era of time, and, and that's it. And you're spent and wasted in the blink of an eye. Um, and the whole, like, don't blink idea um, is just super crazy. Uh, so, I mean, that show really kind of, like, took what I really like about sci-fi and and just what it can do and do very subtly and do very well. And it's just... I mean, it is the culmination of everything that is good about that. Uh, same thing with um, the two-part uh, Silence in the Library and the Forests mm-hmm, of the Dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, to say that the shadows uh, that you're already scared of because they're just dark <laughs> are millions of tiny little uh, shadowy things that will gnaw the flesh off of your bones if you the second that you step <laughs> you into step the into shadow... <laughs> I mean, come on. That's the scariest thing I've ever heard in my entire life. Um, and they that episode is done so well. Um, the, you know, the, the consciousness that's talking after the person dies, that's stuck in the little sci-fi technology spacesuit, and how you come up to explain that is just, is just really great. Um, there's so many great, you know, moments. I, I just want to, like, look at quotes and... Mm-hmm. Oh, man, that, that's so another hard. one. I mean, that one... I've said it's my favorite for a long, long time. I had yeah. to really debate over that. I mean, that in the end, when the doctor is going to kill himself, basically to save everybody, and River Song says, "I'm going to do it," you know, mm-hmm. um, oh, when he says, "Time can be rewritten," and she says, "Not this time. Don't you dare. Yeah. You know, don't you dare rewrite our moments together." Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, and then you know when he says. You know, because the, the story, if you don't know, again, please don't uh, let this spoil it. But if you don't care, uh, you know, they, these these things were you know, in trees that have become a whole entire library. And he says, I'm the doctor and you are an entire library in the universe. 
uh, look me up. And they're advancing towards him, and when he says that, they start backing up. <laughs> I mean, there's <laughs> there's so many good... I mean, like, I recently rewatched Gridlock, which is a great, if you, mm-hmm. is, you know... Uh, theologically is a really great episode because mm-hmm. you have these people <laughs> stuck in an, an eternal gridlock in their cars and they advance like 10 miles in like 12 years or whatever mm-hmm. and it, it, it then they start singing I will cling to the old <laughs> rugged cross yes. uh, I mean it just and I don't know there's so many things <laughs> I did want to I've got so many episodes I could just go down my list girl in the fireplace is mm-hmm. another one that's really really great um, playing with the like sci-fi versus going back in time in the history just is a really good play. Um, but I will to end it all out. I will say that the very first moment I really can truly say um, a, a one shot of a TV episode totally blew me away was the Satan Pit when he first walks into there and you see that big beast that's the devil, quote unquote. Just start to kind of move and everything. I had no, I was not expecting that at all. And the grandiose level that they went to with that one was just, I was, I was really blown away by that. And the fact that the doctor doesn't care at all. That he doesn't (laughs) care at all. He's just talking to him like he's any old other creature. And um, you guys all chose really good ones that I, you know, that like hit me on an emotional level. Mm -hmm. I I look at my list and I go, I I chose them all because they're very cool sci-fi, and that's you know my big draw for the show like mm-hmm. I said so and like I said Silence in the Library and Forest of the Dead is has always been I'm like that's my favorite one. And oh yeah it's yes. so cool so you all of yours were on my list also let's just say Narada. <laughs> yeah I'm gonna say since basically you've all hit on all my favorite episodes <laughs> and even quoted the things that I spent time looking up oh, <laughs> sorry. I want to I want to kind of throw a change up instead of actually talking about my favorite episode in, in one of the pieces that I sent out, and I intentionally didn't send out a ton. Usually I, I send out a lot of articles to the panel so we have some kind of things to talk about, get you thinking, even if you don't agree with the stuff that the articles or the, the source materials saying. This one I intentionally only sent out a few things because I, w- I really wanted us to, to draw on upon our collective experience. But one of the things that I really thought thought was said so incredibly well and I think applied to this podcast specifically was written by Julie Clausen and she writes for the Huffington uh, the Huffington Post (laughs) (laughs) and she just she put it this way she said the doctor generally travels with a companion and as his title suggests often finds himself in situations which are in need of healing and repair one cannot argue that Doctor Who is necessarily a Christian or even theistic show, despite its habit of having Christmas and Easter specials, <laughs> or even that the Doctor is intended to be equated with God. The two men who have creatively led and written many of the episodes of the BBC reboot of the show, Russell Davies and Stephen Moffat, are both self-proclaimed atheists. Yet, as producers and writers, they frequently address religious themes and use the character of the Doctor to challenge hollow and dangerous conceptions of God. It is in their attempts to use the Doctor to deconstruct inward-focused religion, which has little relevance in a world full of injustice and pain, that an alternative, more meaningful vision of God emerges. And one of the reasons that I really like this quote was because especially after listening to the reasons that we love some of our favorite episodes, 
to have atheists writing a show and it touching us mm-hmm. and reminding us more of God mm-hmm. and, and more of our own beliefs than probably they want. Yeah. <laughs> um, kind of shows the inescapability of writing something powerful that doesn't have eternal undertones. Right. And, and I think I especially like it because in this article she talks to she talks about how one of the reasons that even though Doctor Who isn't a god, um, he could be confused with a god, but he's not a whatever he is, he's not passive. Right. And I think especially when she points out in a real world that we live in, in a world full of injustice and pain, or the the world that we see in Do- Doctor Who, the universe in Doctor Who is full of injustice, full of pain, full of loss, and just misuse of power. Uh, we see someone coming in who has a knowledge outside of the situation, or greater than the situation, and is active. And... I mean, like, where do you guys think that Moffat and Russell T. Davies meant to land in, in these in these situations? I mean, like, do you think they realize the power of what they're writing? Uh, I, I'm actually interested in what Mandy has to say. Oh. <laughs> Gosh. Yeah. Because um, I've got a lot to say. I, I don't want to, like... <laughs> but Mark you know. likes to talk. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, like... I wanna, uh, it's yeah. like I told you before the show, Mandy. You just got to jump in because uh, yeah. <laughs> um, Mark will not stop, which is a good thing. I don't think they intended it to resonate as much with Christians. I think it's just like a happy accident. I, I don't know. Right, yeah. <laughs> um, un- unhappy for them. Uh, yes, unhappy for them. <laughs> Whatever it was, you know, intended for, it definitely speaks to us. I, I don't know. I mean, like, one of the things, like I said, there's so many parallels between the doctor and a deity. I don't want to say necessarily mm-hmm. God specifically. Like mm-hmm. I said, yeah. he's always finding this third way. Yes. You yeah. know, that's not perfect. He's typically is the peacemaker. He's yeah. compassionate. He loves justice. But he's not perfect. Yeah. I think um, Chris and I were listening to one of those podcasts that you sent us that was talking about him being the God figure. And I've never thought of him in that aspect. I always thought of him as like, I know the doctor is not Christian, but he's just another person struggling to find the right thing to do and trying to atone for the stuff he's done in the past, you know, and constantly trying to make a better choice. Um, and I always see it as that example of, you know, working things out in fear and trembling and sometimes in anger. And um, I love that he always seems to, like you said, search for the third option and, you know, see, seeking for the best of all situations instead of what is self-serving. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I, I never really thought like, you know, most people are like, oh, the doctor's a Christ figure. So yeah, I've never really heard anybody say it that way to say that he is just another another creature trying mm-hmm. to find that kind of redemption. If anything, yeah. it it points to a need for a uh, even bigger savior, bigger, better savior than the doctor, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because he's only saving people from situations. Right. Yeah. Um, he's not actually. I mean, and they do, I guess they don't really address this in most cases, but he's not really saving souls. He's not saving mm-hmm. people eternally. Right. 
Um, yeah, I mean, I don't think they, I think they, obviously, they have very clear theological themes. I mean, mm -hmm. I was talking about, like, Gridlock, and uh, I was looking up some of the other episodes, like Satan Pit, you know, obviously with the devil and it just being an idea, and it's yeah. this creature that was, all the ideas are based off of, and... Yeah, but uh, even then, in the Satan Pit, I think one of the best parts about it is that you know, he was like, if you would have said you were around for a really long time, I yeah. would buy it. You know, but you said you were before time. You were said you yeah. were before that existed, and he's like, so, yeah. And he's like, yeah, not that doesn't, you know, doesn't that, fit my rule. Yeah, he's mm -hmm. like, that doesn't fit my rule. He's like, so is that your religion? He's like, well, that's my belief. Yes. So and, and so I think I think the the funny the well the ironic thing about that is it looked like the writers were trying to kind of take a shot at religion itself, mm -hmm. but then but then it almost is self defeating, right? Yeah, because it's still like a, well, a, a so, very I mean, general. Oh well, I guess I don't know either. So I, I mean, like I, I think they <clears throat> obviously, and in, in, from my perspective as a Christian and what I believe, um, I think they end up painting a picture of freedom and grace um, through the Doctor without really realizing it. I mean, he is a kind yeah. of a Christ-like figure in in a sense. Um, I mean, you know, there's another episode, uh, The God Complex, where they're stuck in the hotel and they have the creature that feeds off faith. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And this creature, you can only defeat this creature by losing your faith in whatever you have faith in. And it comes to find out that, you know, Amy has to lose her faith in the doctor. Yet it's the doctor that spurs her on to do it. And she loses her faith and then gains her faith because he saved her and saved mm -hmm. them and, you know, and to put this creature out of its misery by doing that. So. Um, you know, they, they end up just by him being sacrificial and, and them, what I think they really paint a picture, um, by slamming organized religion as they kind of do subtly, mm -hmm. which I think they do. And I think in Satan, but that's what they were trying to do. Mm -hmm. They end up painting a picture that is what I see Christ as. And I think it is what, you know, I think people who are not believers in Christ, uh, hope that the best can be for a God. So mm -hmm. they kind of paint this picture that is like, if 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 God were going to be, you know, if there was something that was a God or a, a Savior, we hope it would be this. And I think don't necessarily, they, they do that intentionally, but I think that that is the hope of people who necessarily don't. And I think even Christians, some Christians and churches don't understand Christ, the, maybe the way that I understand Christ and other people understand Christ. And I see it as a very, you know, freedom and grace and sacrificial and and so they paint this picture that I think a lot of religions don't give. So then by them slamming religion, they're kind of, you know, I, I might be getting too like you're, you're like with them. You're like yeah, yeah, that is wrong. I mean, yeah, I mean that's <laughs> yes. that's kind of it, you know. So it's because I think I think if you really study what Christ said, Christ came to do away with religion. So <laughs> the idea of this rules and systems and stuff, uh, he's Christ set us free from that. Uh, so, you know, for them to paint that picture without, I don't think they can realize it if they're an atheist, you know, if they say there is no God, but I, they're painting a picture of what I see as God. Well, and the irony being, I think they're painting a picture of what they would like God to be like. That's what I'm saying. Not, yeah. not realizing that... It is actually what that's, is that's, that's, that's the truth. That's what I believe that is actually God. Yeah, they're like, yeah. we're going to write this thing that's so absurd. Yeah. Clickety, 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 yeah. you know, and the hope's right there. Mm -hmm. And it's just too absurd for them to actually believe that it could be true. And that's why I 
people often talk about the same episodes. Like everyone mentions the God complex, and you know a lot of people mention yeah. gridlock. And everyone mentions Mark. <laughs> everyone says that. seriously. But I mean, they're they're in the Satan pit. I mean, ones that are obviously um, like have huge thematic overtones of faith or belief or God or something like that. But I think that um, they're not really doing anything different in those episodes than they're doing in every other episode that, I mean, they're just touching on things that are just true. They're just presenting some things that are true. And because they're true, they are, I mean, they're going to, there's really not much you can do about that message. It's going to come through. I mean, you said earlier in the podcast, Mikey, that, this show is almost like a making your argument for you about, mm-hmm. you know, your um, kind of your mantra for the podcast being that because we're made in his image, his image is seen in the work that we do. And I think the image of God is seen in Doctor Who. The longings I mean, for God. Yeah. Nothing else. Yes. I mean, even we talked about Vincent and the Doctor. I mean, that one is not an episode that, I mean, that's not really about faith or belief or God necessarily, but it's one of the, it produces one of the most powerful moments of um, like human worth and value and affirmation. Mm -hmm. And so it does that kind of stuff all the time. I mean, and I'm thinking, and thinking about like Mark described the situation with Wilfred um, and the doctor and how the doctor loses his life by saving Wilfred. And, um, this imperfect doctor, you know, Wilfred says, oh, if you know, just leave me here. Just leave me here to die. I'm an old man. I've lived a life, a long life. Just leave me here to die. Yeah, he says, I'm more important. You're more important yeah, than you're me. Yeah, you're more important than you me. You know, you can't die. And the doctor says, yeah, I, I am more important than you. I have so many things I can do. And then in the end, he says, no, it would be my honor. It'd be my honor to yeah. save your life. I, I mean, just like that kind of self-sacrifice. I mean, there are so many, mm-hmm. um, there's so much in here about companionship and mm-hmm. friendship and community and love. And I don't know, I just think that, you know, whether they're do, saying those things, whether they know what they're doing or not, I mean, it's coming through just like it does in most entertainment. Mm-hmm. You know, truth is going to, truth will out. Hmm. Yes. Well, now that we're down pretty heavy, <laughs> this is where we start to climb ourselves back up to the surface. Okay. <laughs> um, because, yeah, we're getting about that time where we need to start wrapping it up, especially with this many this many people. Um, so kind of a not totally surface question, okay. but it can be taken as a surface question. Mandy, if you had to compare yourself to a companion... Oh, goodness. <laughs> <laughs> where, where do you think you would end up on the companion scale? Donna Noble. <laughs> and awesome. said with a lot of uh, surety. Yeah. And why? Yeah. Uh, I love her because she doesn't take any crap. <laughs> <laughs> and she, I love that she's always saying, I'm just a temp from Chiswick. And then she is this. She's so important. Um, and I love that uh, that episode where Rose, she has the bug on her back and Rose is trying to help her understand, you know, her value. Again, evidently, I like all the ones about understanding your value. <laughs> yeah, uh, understandable. Yeah. Um, I just, I love her. She's got spunk. Mm-hmm. So yeah. we'll, send, we'll send sympathy cards to Chris. Yeah, <laughs> you should. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Laura. I think um, 
this is this is who we think we are, not who our favorite is, right? Well, it, it, answer both the questions, and then tell me why. Um, I always have a really hard time answering the the favorite companion question because, um, like in the beginning, I was kind of like, oh, I don't really like Donna very much. She's just so overbearing. But then when I go back, I realize that most of my favorite episodes are Donna episodes, you know, and she has so many great lines in her. Her um, back and forth with Tennant is just so good. Yes. Um, but, you know, I, I I do have an affinity for Rose, too, and just her fierce loyalty to the Doctor and the way that her love slowly develops for him so that she's like, I'm never going to leave you. You know, I made my choice a long time ago. I'm never going to leave you. Um, and I like Martha, too. I don't know. I think I, think I am Martha um, because I identify with um, Martha's um, greatest... Um, Hotness? <laughs> yeah. That's what I think you are. Oh, really? Okay. Well, her, her like, strongest qualities are her compassion um, and her gentleness and her kindness. Uh, Rose, I think, is, she has a bit of courage and daring to just say, well, I'm just going to go travel with this guy. And then the longer she's with the doctor, the more she kind of starts to take control of her situations when he's not unable to. And then Donna just um, kind of goes her own way. She does what she wants to, even when the doctor's like, don't do that. You know, we can't mm-hmm. save Pompeii. She's like, no, we are. <laughs> well, we are going to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, um, but I, I don't find those, I don't find those tendencies in myself. I don't think that I could be like a Donna Noble who's, who's challenging the doctor. You know, I think I'm probably a little bit more, like, would be more in awe of the doctor and would want to, like be a helper on his, you know, like help him in ways that he can't do things on his own to keep him in check in that way. So I think that I could learn to be courageous and I could learn to love adventure, but I, I do see myself as more of like that home buddy who wants to like use what I've learned for my friends and family and, um, and am in the TARDIS because I'm fascinated by the doctor Mm -hmm. and what he stands for. Not necessarily because I want to escape my life. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. Do I get to be a girl? You can sure, be man. You I was want. like, I don't have really guys to choose from. Uh, <laughs> you want to be Rory? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You be like the boy who waited or whatever. Yeah, the boy. <laughs> um, I feel like I could be Rory actually, because um, I love my wife, and um, I would wait for her. And, uh, I feel like if, I feel like if we were both in the TARDIS, I'd be worried like crazy, you know. And all that stuff. <laughs> uh, I kind of saw myself. If it was like I, I, don't, I can't really be like. I couldn't nail myself down to one companion. Like, what companion are you actually? Oh, I think everyone knows question. which one you'd be. You're in denial. That's what. And who's that? Rose. <laughs> yeah. You're completely obsessed with a doctor. <laughs> you would run away with him in two seconds. Uh, I, so, I, yes, I Tell came down to, I think I'm a combination of Rose <laughs> and Rory. So, I mean, you know, it's, I would hope if I had, if I said, okay, what companion would I hope to be? I think it'd be Wilfred. I would hope I could be Wilfred Runway Day, who's himself so sacrificial and, you know, understanding the importance of, of the Doctor and, and being just kind of, you know, loving to his family and, and concerned about everybody and including the Doctor. So um, I would definitely, I would, you know, I would hope I'd be my own companion and, and help out and, you know, kind of show the Doctor what he's doing something wrong, but then just marvel at all the cool stuff I'm seeing. <laughs> Did you just go meta and say, my favorite companion is me? <laughs> <laughs> I think I just did, yes. <laughs> I mean, really, I would be the best companion. 
Of course, yeah. I mean, who knows? I I might have been with the doctor, and, and my memory is wiped, and I don't know it. Yeah. 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 You know? We'll find out next season. Right. Yeah. You and Peter Capaldi hanging out? <laughs> yeah, that's right. And some guy love. That's why I'm so excited for Peter Capaldi. <laughs> <laughs> Something inside knew. you yes, tells the doctor you. I traveled with. Uh, you met him when you were a small child, and <laughs> he's going to come back years later. Yeah. Um, well, I, I would say that, much like Laura has mentioned, like I didn't really like Donna that much when I first watched her, but then going back, I realized that she brought out the best in the yeah. doctor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She wasn't just another fawning fan or lovesick puppy. The and, Dr. Donna. Yeah. So, I mean, I think her rubbing up against the doctor, who he is and his decisions, like finally having someone really question him into yes. a, into a belligerent, you know, degree mm-hmm. really brought out. And I think that's why some of those episodes were the best. Yeah. Because we didn't just go, Oh, I waved my sonic screwdriver and I've made a decision for everyone. Yeah. It was like, I made a decision. No, you haven't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, so, I mean, she, she is probably my favorite because of that, but I think I would probably be, be a, a Martha Jones. Cause I always found her to, she was, fa- I think she was fascinated with the concept of the doctor, but she was never in love with the doctor. Um, unless I'm forgetting something. At first, she was pretty enamored. Like I think we're dating or something. Like, yeah, I didn't, but she grew out of that. Yeah, you know, she went on to whatever unit. And, um, and, and I, 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 she I, saved the world. Yeah, oh yeah. Yes, there's that. Well, all the companions have saved the world. I think yes, they have. They're, we could oh, get yeah. it. And that's that's they what I want. That's what I want to follow up next. But um, I, I just like the fact that she was practical. Mm-hmm. She was considerate, caring, and very practical. You know, she's like she never was. I never really you practical. Huh? I'm very practical. <laughs> yes. I'm the most practicalist. Yes, I know. <laughs> um, so I, I really am a fan of her. I, I'm sad to say that I, you know that uh, Amy, who is obviously Batman's favorite uh, yes. companion, she's so hot. <laughs> Go back and say, Amy. <laughs> uh, that's like, an in joke. That that's people an in joke. Not going to understand. Oh, I, so I'll link to that. So if you haven't <laughs> yeah. seen the how it's it should a, have ended cartoon YouTube video how it should have ended, yes. with the doctor, I'll link that in the show notes too because that's amazing. Right. Uh, uh, but you know, I, I feel bad that I'm not really on board with any of the recent companions. Mm. Um, I mean, I wanted to like Amy and Rory, but. I think it, it's kind of the same reason that we talked about with Matt Smith, how he's not elevating himself to like my favorite doctor. I think what you had to work with in the late, in the, some of the most recent seasons of doctor who didn't really lend themselves to them being exceptional companions. I really like Clara. I don't, you know, I, I do. I liked Amy. No, I, 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 liked say, I didn't not like them. I've liked all the companions, like I said, except I thought I didn't like Donna, but then I realized she's probably the best, even though I didn't like her. So, <laughs> So, I mean, I've liked them all. I, I really haven't found anybody who's just been a complete dud. And I've even loved the not really companions, but kind of serve a supporting companion role, like Wilfred. And, well, I guess Rory was was probably a proper companion, but then... Mickey. Mickey, yes. that mm-hmm. Who was the other one? Mickey and his alternate universe self? Ricky. Ricky. Mickey and, <laughs> Mickey and Ricky. Right, yeah. Mickey and Ricky. <laughs> I can never keep those two straight. What do you guys think of River Song? Is that going to open a whole Pandora's box? Uh, a, Pandora, a Pandora's <laughs> yeah. box? Uh, yes. I, I mean, I I love her as a character. I um, I think my love for her is colored by my hatred for the River Song arc. 
I like I love her in Silence in the Library. I love that idea of her being someone that he loves, but their time streams are going in opposite directions. I think mm-hmm. that's brilliant. Um, but just I think um, whenever I think about rewatching season six, I just kind of shudder a little bit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I just kind of start twitching. Just uh, yeah. anyway, I, I'm a yeah. I really really like River Song. Um, and I, I feel like I shouldn't like her as much as I do, but Silence in the Library, I think that that episode, as many cool things happen in that episode, I think if it didn't have the River Song touch and the ending, then I think it would have just been another good episode. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, that and her appearance in the season seven finale, yeah, I, I thought were really great. And I love her as a concept of... Yeah. Like, this is the only person who knows the Doctor better than the Doctor knows himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that humanizes the Doctor and makes the Doctor relatable. And I just think it's unfortunate that she had a fairly poorly thought out or developed story arc in season six. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but, like, I love River Song. Like she and does she's it. well acted. Yeah. She is. Oh, is yeah. Really oh the, you know, she the way... great job, yeah. You know, that's why you go around the internet and everything is, like, spoilers yeah. you know like she she does perfect yeah so. oh and just the way she talks to him no one talks to him like that oh, yeah. um yeah. like when she talks about like you don't really know how to fly the TARDIS <laughs> it's not supposed to make that sound <laughs> you know? um she's yeah. very much like Donna in that way mm-hmm. you know, yeah they've got that you know not gonna let the doctor swoon me into not mm-hmm. believing what I believe you know yeah but for a different reason you know Donna, totally won't, Donna won't be controlled River Song loves the doctor yeah but doesn't love the doctor in a teenage you know fangirl of twilight kind of way yeah it's definitely yes. a mature love you know and i think you see it really well in uh in the angels take manhattan she mm-hmm. they have some really great interaction there too and i mean and she knows him and says you can't ever you know you can't talk to the doctor about endings you know mm-hmm. she just um yeah. she has so much wisdom about him mm-hmm. i think it's it's a good thing that there's somebody who has wisdom about the doctor, like who yeah. can yeah. explain him to other people or he can clean up his messes a little bit. Maybe. Listen, mommy and daddy. <laughs> yeah. 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 See, oh man. I just, I just don't like that. There's her parents. Oh, I love that. I just don't oh, like yeah, that. I don't, yeah, I don't I like don't. how we got there. Well, but, uh, we you know, I don't think there's anything wrong with the idea of that storyline. However, it just, fell off the rails at so many points Mm -hmm. it just it tried to do so much and just didn't accomplish it very well um but i didn't i thought it ended up being okay yeah yeah well so mrs great question asker yeah you have not you have not answered your own question um oh i love river song i love her i love every episode with her i really love kill hitler um let's kill hitler uh, I love the like transformation she's, when she's you know I, be quiet I'm thinking of a dress size. Um, <laughs> I love just her example of her different love for the doctor there at the end when she's the angels have got her and she, you know she breaks her wrist to get out of it and yeah um, just the way she interacts with him I, I love that it's it's so different from the other companions. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Her level of understanding is great. Mm-hmm. I well, love her. I just I've never in like other people that I know that love Doctor Who they all hate her. No, mm-hmm. no. Oh so, yeah, no. I, mm-hmm. I, I love River Song. Big big River Song fan. Yeah. Good. 
Like I said, story arc. Needs yes. Some, yeah. Needs some yeah. work. There's some it, story runnership that <laughs> in the recent years that I haven't yeah. enjoyed as much. Yeah. I yeah. think that colors a lot of a lot of my enjoyment of the last few episodes, mm-hmm. last few seasons. Well, I'll say this. Well, I asked this actually, which was my follow up to the companion question, and I think we already started hitting on it. But well, I wanted to find a way to get Laura to say this without being like, "Hey, remember that thing you said to me?" <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm going to say it, and I'm totally going to give Laura credit for saying it and enlightening me on it. Um, she she actually pointed out how lots of times the companion is actually or the companion is overlooked as important like it's the doctor 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 oh and the companion but almost yeah. all the time the companion is either more important or probably i mean the only thing that's important and the doctor is just there i really think we need to hit on the uh why not a female doctor thing <laughs> no seriously because mm-hmm. like that really kind of I didn't really that have like I didn't really it. have a place to say it, but I felt better that Laura herself was like mm-hmm. it shouldn't be a woman. But like it, it kind of angered me that it felt like it was people that really didn't understand the show just being uh, needing something to be a feminist about, and that's fine. But you know, I really think is if that you, fine? Whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I think if you say that the Doctor needs to be a, a female, it takes away from all of the females in the show and their importance and their impact on the Doctor himself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it, it, I think if you try to make that argument, you don't truly understand the show because they are more important to, you know, essentially the universe because of what they have done for the Doctor. Their sacrifice is just mm-hmm. as, you know, valid as the Doctor's. Their um, you know, everything about them. Their characters are just as valid as the Doctor. They have to be there. I mean, that's it's quintessential to the Doctor himself. He doesn't have to be a woman because, you know, just because he needs to be a woman. Yeah, you know, not like, in terms of the argument being we, women <coughs> haven't had their hero. Right. Like, please don't yeah. do it just to tick a box off. Oh, the, yeah. 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 That yeah. makes me crazy. Yeah. Absolutely. That's how I feel about... Um, really like even changing the doctor's race or honestly nationality i don't want like an american doctor you know unless it's me (laughs) um yeah i feel like i I will be (laughs) yeah i feel like it's just kind of missing the point because to me saying we need oh well we need like to me that's saying okay as a woman i need my doctor I need a woman doctor to be my doctor to represent me. But I feel like that is missing the point of the doctor because the doctor, okay, the doctor is male, he's British, he's white. But he is, those aren't really what he is. That's not the doctor. Once he's Adger Selber, he will not be white anymore. (laughs) He, yeah, he's not really any of those things. He doesn't, he doesn't even really fall into the stereotypes that, he doesn't fall into the male stereotype or the white stereotype or anything. I mean, yeah, he, he is everything. He's alien. He's a little bit closer to the British. Okay, he's a little, <laughs> how can I get <laughs> into that? You know. um, and I think that already he is, he's so broad. He's He doesn't even have a name. We don't even know his name. You know, I think he is for everyone already. And so I think that's yeah. just missing the point. And so, so you know, maybe if they, cast a, if they cast a woman, I would hope that it would be because she she is supposed to be the you know she's the best person to embody the essence of the doctor and not because she is a woman not just to put a woman in there like you said yeah. Andy, to yeah. check that box and say okay we've you know yeah all the women fans can 
to dress up like the woman doctor at Comic-Con now, you know? Yeah. That. Like, you know, I have no problem dressing up like David Tennant's doctor. <laughs> Just because he wears a suit, I don't care. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, well, I mean, yeah. maybe if I can convince you to dress up like somebody, one of the companions, we can... Yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> I love how you're looking at Mark while you say that. You want Mark to dress up as one of the companions? Looking, looking for approval. Yeah. <laughs> uh, gosh. Do you, do you agree with that, Mandy? Do you I like kind of what we're saying? Yeah, no, I I definitely think Mark, you touched on it. I think that it will discredit the all the women before, um, and I really can't stand. I, this is not to be like a political statement. I can't stand the like checking, like I said, the checking the box just to so that yeah. we can say that we've had one. It's an mm-hmm. awful reason that mm-hmm. you know, and that just I think belittles women even more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. and you know, if it would make, if you could find a woman who would make a great doctor, I'd, and that's why, I don't have any problem with that. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. I think we saw River Song as basically the doctor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, she's much. part-time lord. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, part-time lord. Isn't that her thing? I, yes. <laughs> Child of the TARDIS. <clears throat> yeah. Basically. Well, I just, I wanted to make sure we touched on the, the importance of companions. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and, and how they they ground the, the Doctor, you know, it's it's not like I said. Lots of time it's Doctor Who, Doctor Who, Doctor Who. Oh, and also starring, but really, what we've already pointed out, basically every single companion has saved the universe. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. You know, it, they don't just sit idly by. They're not just there for eye candy. Yeah, you know, they're always participants. They're active, mm-hmm. and all the they're not always just like it's not like a like a comedy where they're always getting in trouble and the doctor's always saving them. Yeah. It's, they're more active than that. And I think they're, I think without them, if this show was just the doctor, I mean, there's a reason like once, once Amy and Rory leave the show, they basically imply that tons of time has passed mm. between their exiting the show and, um, the, the, the Christmas episode where Claire mm-hmm. appears. Yeah. You know, because he basically goes and sulks because, I mean, there's nothing. Like he's he's nothing without his companions. Yeah, he's I love lonely. that part. Uh, I was watching one of the episodes with Rose, and they was it some they they always seem to end up asking the companions, "Is it worth it to be with him?" It seems like there's such a high price to be with the Doctor and to do all this traveling, and they always say, "Yes, it is totally mm-hmm. worth it." Yeah. Like Jesus. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't want to, you know, delve yeah, us back down into this. Yeah. Well, the, it, yeah. the girl in the fireplace. Yeah, the girl in the fireplace. Um, you know, she's her. She, he, you know, for the girl who's in the fireplace, which is Madame Du Pompadour. Yes. Um, <laughs> I can't believe I remember that. Um, but you know, he's there in different points throughout her life, almost like her imaginary friend, very much parallel to to Amy Pond, in a sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but she, you know, eventually meets up with Rose and she says, well, you understand Rose, the doctor's worth the monsters, mm-hmm. you know? So it, it, it's, 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 <laughs> yeah, <I> know, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's heavy, man. The show is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's why we can't, I'm guessing all highly recommended enough. If for some reason someone listened to this entire episode and has not seen Dr. Right, right. Actually, I, I imagine there's going to be some people, I know, I know a lot of people actually started with the Matt Smith stuff. You know, yeah. you get into mm-hmm. Dr. You start then, yeah. you don't go back. I really encourage you to go Please back. Please go back. I, I mean, so much so that if uh, Laura and I had gotten in, 
gotten on the Doctor Who train earlier, we probably would have gone back and watched more old Doctor Who than we have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's just to better understand Doctor Who and his universe. See all these other companions that... And actually, for me, I take Doctor Who pretty seriously, actually. <laughs> I really do. And and that's why I, you know, I can tend to be like, oh, you know, when Davies left as showrunner, things started going downhill, and I don't like the River Song arc, and... And it's easy for something to, like, rile me up because I have such expectations for the show and Mm -hmm. I have such um, an affection for it. But actually going back and watching Classic Who um, has been really good for me because it is really campy. Mm -hmm. And honestly, it's like these – it was supposed to be an educational show and the TARDIS, like, the, the blue box was supposed to, like, change everywhere he went, like, depending on the time thing. But they didn't have the budget for it, so it's just a blue box. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, William Hartnell was sick and he had to leave. And they were like, well, let's just say he regenerates. I mean, yeah. like, yeah. they just made so much stuff up. And so it actually helps me um, just to appreciate the fun of it, I guess, and the collaboration mm-hmm. of it. That it's, you know, it's a great story and it's... Um, and there's a reason why it's going on and has been going on for so long. But really, like, I don't know. It's it's just fun and funny. Yeah, and, well, <laughs> I mean, and even with, like, I know, like, I, I totally agree that, you know, with Stephen Moffat as the showrunner, it has not been as great as it was with Davies as the showrunner. Um, nevertheless, I still enjoy the the heck out of it. Oh you yeah, know, it's, yeah. So it's still it. it's kind of like the worst Doctor Who is pretty much better than everything else <laughs> on yes. TV. I mean, yeah. you know, and and there are some you know episodes where you go, eh. but you know, you're still in the universe. It's still the Doctor. There's still the mm-hmm. kind of continuation that just kind of keeps going on. So there's always something to grab onto. So and I mean, and it's just the nature of the show. It can always be fresh. You know, yeah. if you don't like something, there's going to be something new. Yeah. You don't like a doctor, know there's going to be a new doctor. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. That's right. You never know where you're going. Well, and I think one of the things, and the reason that it gets its own podcast, or it gets its own episode on this podcast, mm-hmm. is because I was recently reminded that by listening to another podcast, when they said that Doctor Who was nice and all for sci-fi, but it didn't really stick with you. Or there, it didn't really bring up big questions. Uh, sure, a couple episodes would make you think occasionally, or ma- you know, make you have a conversation. And I couldn't disagree with them more. Right. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I think that every single episode, you can easily walk away with a Christian, with a non-Christian. I mean, well, I guess I basically split in 50-50. I was going to name a whole list, but there's Christians and not Christians. (laughs) Anybody of any faith background or no faith background, and you can have serious conversations about what just happened Mm -hmm. and why both of you were glued to the TV the whole time. And I think that is a mark of a truly remarkable show yeah, i mean mm-hmm. you're the tagline for this whole podcast is entertainment is not mindless is it? Like, oh, that's good i gotta write that down yeah you should write Fun. that down that you're welcome <laughs> see what you what you what happened was this is where we discovered that tagline and you found the doctor took it back in time <laughs> and then put it on all the real world stuff so it looked like you how exactly does that work mark I, well let me tell you it's called time and relative dimension in space it's <laughs> uh, so very confusing all the time noise Yes, where's I going with this? Uh, no, this is the quintessential show for entertainment. Is not mindless. I think mm-hmm. I don't know how you can sit 
don't know how anybody can say that you, it doesn't really raise any questions. It's like it raises every question that you can raise with every implication of everything it does. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it, and, it, and it is kind of like that, you think it's mindless because it's sci-fi and it's goofy and it's corny and it's cheesy. I mean, you know, the Daleks themselves are just, you know, one of the cheesiest villains ever, but, you know, they have gravity. <laughs> it's a plunger. Yeah. <laughs> and a plunger and a whisk. And it's like the most terrifying thing. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well... Normally, at the end of the show, I would ask like for a come on moment and our favorite moment, but I think we've kind of touched on all that, that sure. and so I'm going to skip that or we'd be here for another half hour, mm-hmm. um, and instead, I'm just going to skip straight to the end and say thanks for listening mm-hmm. um, out there, and, and I want to acknowledge again that we haven't hit on everything. Um, we haven't even hit on half of Yeah, half I of mean, everything. like I said, we could have an episode on every single episode of Doctor Who, so, no, understand that that there's something that we didn't touch on. That it's not because you're just seeing it and we aren't. It's probably there. And actually, that's you know one of the reasons we did this. We want people to think about the stuff. We want people to have these conversations. Mm-hmm. So, with that kind of in the back of your mind, uh, I just want to thank my guests for being here. And by doing that, I want to give them the opportunity to let you know how you can follow the work that they're doing. So. Mandy, I'm not sure people want to get a hold of you, what they can do. Uh, sure. Oh, man. Uh, I'm on Facebook, Mandy Rosenberry. Um, <laughs> and uh, my husband and I devote an entirely uh, ton of time to the church that we work at, which is The Refuge on Hilton Head Island in South Carolina. That's uh, therefugehhi.com. Uh, check out all of our awesome geekiness there. Awesome. Me? Whoever. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I've been on the podcast a bunch, so if you've listened, um, you've kind of seen my you know, uh, links and stuff on the other episodes. Uh, but uh, I, I'm, I'm a filmmaker and, and a writer, so I've got things all over the internets. Um, you know, you can find me on Twitter. It's uh, Mark Wingdinger, which is a little bit of a funny version of my last name. And then uh, you can find me on Facebook, of course, and uh, we will link uh, some short films that I've done and, you know. Other things. Other things. Your band that you're... I, I'm in a band called Falls. Please check that out. Falls, yes. FallsNC.Bandcamp.com. That's, <laughs> that's a, you can check out our EP. Um, we should start a Doctor Who themed band. Uh, we should. Uh, <laughs> now, what would that be called? Whip, uh, what, the Timey Wimeys? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> oh, gosh. We can have a song called, like, Alonzi. Alonzi! Alonzi, Alonzi. How about you, Laura? <laughs> um, oh man, I always say these things wrong. Uh, so anyway, I'm going to give you all my addresses and then when you go look them up and they don't work, <laughs> look in the show notes. That's right. <laughs> but I think my Twitter is at Laura underscore Thistle and my, um, blog is leaving teaching dot WordPress dot com. I think I always say blogspot every time I'm on this podcast. Um, <laughs> And I've actually been posting there a little bit more recently. Um, mm-hmm. I try to post there about writing because um, that's what I do with my time. And I'm trying to publish a novel. And so I try to put information up there about kind of how to follow me as a writer. And I'm also writing um, a segment called Whoology for a Real World Theology on their blog. Really? I just did, uh, yeah, I just did season, well, season one of the reboot um, with Eccleston. I just did episode three. Yep. And so I'll be doing four soon. I actually have a, a post coming soon. <gasps> Ooh, oh, that's right. Mark did submit that to me. I haven't did, posted yeah, it yet. I did a, a, a 
Whoa, whoa. Thoughts on... Spoilers. <laughs> there you go. Spoilers. Um, needless to say, you will see some stuff from Mark on the site, too. Uh, but And most importantly, whether they got the addresses wrong, whether you can remember what they said or not, all these links and ways to get in, uh, in touch with our guests will be at the show, or at the website, realworldtheology.com, under the show notes for this episode. So feel free to go there, bother them. They obviously love talking about this already, so yes. feel free to continue yes. to, to get in touch with them. So much left to say. Exactly. Yes. But if you want to interact with me or let me know of movies you'd love to hear us discuss on the show, then feel free to follow me on the Real World Theology Twitter, at Real World Theo, or follow me personally, at Physification. You can also find us, like I mentioned before, at the blog, realworldtheology.com. That's R-E-E-L, worldtheology.com, which you probably already know if you're listening to this. Um, you like us on Facebook, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, and if you do find us on iTunes, review the show, bump our rankings, and let's get more people involved in the conversation. Again, I just want to thank my guests for being here, you, the listeners, for taking time to make us a part of your week. Merry, Merry Christmas. Yes, Merry Christmas. Um, Christmas. And I hope you've enjoyed the Christmas, the first annual Christmas episode of Real World Theology. Um, and until next episode... Remember that story is powerful and entertainment is not mindless. Lovely, lovely, tiny white. Hold on, see. Geronimo? <laughs>